For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everybody? How are you doing today? It is a beautiful Friday. And when I say beautiful, it is hot and steamy, sticky, gross, disgusting, sweaty, all of those fun things that you like to uh, feel on your body during a time like this in summer. Mother Nature in summer was like, bitch, hold your pumpkin spice latte. You're going to be sipping this margarita just a little bit longer. We just we thought summer was over. No, 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 no. Not these past couple of days. Let me tell you. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and joining episode number 84 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And today, I am recording in the shop. But today's the first episode that I am recording with the shop officially open. We opened the shop yesterday at 12 o'clock and it was fantastic to finally have the doors open for people to come in shop around buy things sell things trade things whatever it may be oh it's a little weird to still hear the doorbell kind of go off when the door opens because i'm not used to people coming in just yet because over the past month plus i had the door locked while i was doing work on the inside so i mean when the bell goes off when the door opens i'm like whoa I like immediately turn like my head's on a swivel to see who's coming in. And obviously, it's a customer, so I you know just gotta uh, you know wrinkle out the kinks a little bit. So, oh, it's so nice. Obviously, I'm not open right now. I'm recording at 10:45 in the morning. Shop doesn't open up till 12 p.m. noon, so I have a little bit of time to record, edit, and get it out there before the shop opens, which is my plan on Mondays and Fridays. Oh, it, it feels good. Let, let me just go for a minute or two about the shop. So I have uploaded all of the parts to Building My Dream Shop vlog series for YouTube. It's not live yet. Part 5 and Part 6 are still uh, private. I plan on releasing Part 5, I believe, tomorrow, maybe Sunday. And then Part 6 will come out sometime next week as well. Uh, that's been a crazy journey to really look back at each of the parts and just kind of see where I've started. Like part one, walking in, signing, moving some stuff. And then part two, you're still moving some stuff, a little bit of painting. Part three, stuff's coming in. You're starting to get organized. And just part four or five and six, it's just an incredible progression. And never have I ever thought, and I've said this a million times in the vlogs and here on the podcast, not once. Have I thought that this would happen? Dream turning into a reality, building something from the ground up, uh, 
basically my own little empire, right? I mean, I know it's just a small little crumb in the world, but to me, it means the world, right? And anyone that owns their own business or plays a major factor in a business would know would know that feeling. Like, you know, you're so invested into this. You feel so strongly passionate about this that you'll do anything for it. And that's literally how I feel. And just to kind of see the progression from parts one to six and just like, you know, thinking back at it now that the shop is open, it's just like you, you almost love it like a child, really. I mean, I, I don't have any children just yet, but like the shop feels like my firstborn child. Is that like odd to say? Is that weird to say? I mean, it might be. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe people that are out there that have children in a business may feel completely different. Be like, ah, screw the business. I love my kid. Or maybe they're just like, I love the business. Screw the kid. Right. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how people be feeling, but I mean, that's just how I'm feeling. Just like, oh, this place is my baby. I could not be any more happier here. Everyone in life goes through highs and lows, good times, bad times, happy, sadness, Um, feel good, feel bad moments in their life. And I'm no exception to that. And I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you my life story because that's not why you're here. But just to kind of go from, you know, those problems up and down, left and right, all throughout life to be at a, a level of ecstasy, a natural, organic level of ecstasy in life where you just you feel so like at the top of the mountain, you feel so good. Your emotions and your excitement and your happiness is so high that you feel like nothing can bring you down. And obviously, you know, there's external outside factors that can bring you down. Obviously, you know, we have to be realistic. But just in the moment of how I, I personally feel. And that's just how I feel with the shop. And I couldn't be any more happy, blessed, humble, uh, and appreciative of all the support and love from people. Not just family and friends, but also some people that I don't even know or I've just met. You know, being tremendously awesome and helpful. It's been an incredible, incredible experience that I wouldn't trade anything in. Uh, to, to replace it, right? Like I wouldn't trade anything in the world to not do this. So definitely come check out Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. It is in Johnson, Rhode Island, 1478 Atwoods Ave in Johnson, Rhode Island. Unit 106, but I feel like if once you get to the parking lot, you'll kind of you'll see the sign, right? But definitely come check us out, 12 to 8, Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 on Saturdays. I would love to have you come by, check out the shop. Like I said, buy, sell, trade. We can just shoot the shit, do whatever. Really, I mean, even if you don't buy something, I, I won't be upset. Just, you know, coming in, it's just you giving me support. I mean, that's like enough support that I need. And anything after that is just like an added bonus, right? So I'm going to kind of slow down talking about the shop a little bit. But I just had to get that out there because today is the first episode that I'm recording with the shop officially open. And just like when I first started the podcast and when I first recorded at the shop, when the shop was still being built up. And today, it's just like small progressional steps in life. They just feel super good. It just feels super good, and I can't wait to see where else it goes in life. But let's get to today's uh, topic points, right? We have a lot to discuss about. Uh, Not Red Sox related, but kind of in a way. Uh, Michael Chavis, actually, obviously former Red Sox player, traded to the Pirates at the deadline. He still has connections to the Red Sox, and I kind of want to talk about that. So it's not directly talking about the Red Sox because I will not talk about them based off of their poor, poor performance. But I think this story is worth kind of noting because I met Michael Chavis one time when he was a rookie 
got a ball and a bat signed by him, met him, took picture, all that. Super great guy. I thought he should have been on the roster to start the season opening day. He wasn't. He's been up and down with Worcester. I think the Red Sox kind of did him dirty a little bit. But to kind of hear this little story um, with him and the Pirates is kind of interesting. I want to talk about it. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Patriots and what to expect looking towards the third and final preseason game against the New York Giants. Talk a little bit about training camp and what's going on there. Some winners, some losers in training camp. The Sony Michelle trade, obviously, I want to break down as well. And then lastly, to round out the episode, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills. So Monday's episode, I was talking about the Arizona Coyotes of all teams. But this episode, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills. But it's not like that. So I'm going to be talking about, like, oh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Oh, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a weapon for them. I'm not talking about that. The Buffalo Bills are in a little bit of a pickle, I would say, because the Bills franchise wants a new stadium. They want to replace, I don't even know what it's called these days, their stadium. Um, Highmark Stadium. I know it used to be like named after the owner or something, or a longtime owner, and then they got a sponsorship, uh, Highmark Stadium. But they want a new stadium. I guess it's too old, the facilities aren't good enough, and they just want something brand new. But the city of Buffalo doesn't want anything to do with it. So similar to the Oakland Athletics and what I've talked about before, how the Athletics might be forced out of Oakland because the city doesn't want to help pay for a stadium. Then we look at the Buffalo Bills and they're a similar situation. So how does that impact not only the NFL, but where could we see them move? I mean, because potential relocation for the Buffalo Bills is unfortunately for Bills Mafia on the table. So we're going to dive into that too. But first, like I said, let's circle back to what I want to talk about with Michael Chavis. So in an article written by Nesson, uh, this came out 20 hours ago, but I, I first saw it last night. So that's kind of perfect timing to talk about it. Written by Jenna Ciccatelli, I believe. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, excuse me. I think I am. Um, titled, sorry, I just chugged some water. <laughs> uh, Michael Chavis still using Red Sox bag despite debuting with Pirates. So let's go into the article here. I haven't read this yet, so I have no idea what to expect. It could be a good read. It could be pretty stupid and, and ass. I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, old habits die hard. Michael Chavis, who was sent from the Boston Red Sox to the Pittsburgh Pirates at the trade deadline, made his big league debut with his new club on Monday. He appeared for a game in thir- uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night as well. While he's finally rocking a Pirates uniform after starting his run with the organization in the minors, he inadvertently revealed that he isn't suiting up in full just yet chavis shared a photo to his instagram story on tuesday and by the looks of it he hasn't received a pirate's duffel bag he's using a red sox bag but he made an effort to hide the old markings with masking tape he finished the job by writing quote pirates over it complete with some pirate sound effects and a drawing so the sound effects is r like the onomatopoeia and then the drawing is just a a circle with an eye, a smiley face, and then like an eye patch covering the other eye. Um, for what it's worth, Chavis had a great night Tuesday. He went 2-4 with a solo home run as the Pirates defeated the St. Louis Cardinals, getting the start at second base. Maybe that's enough for him to secure the bag. So a small article, nothing really crazy, nothing big, but I just thought it was kind of really funny that a MLB organization has been able to give out a duffel bag to one of its newest players now it's not like they just traded for Jacob deGrom or Cody Bellinger or anything like that or signed Mookie Betts in you know free agency where 
I think that team gear would be well ready, right? Michael Chavis, good young kid, up and coming. I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of a slap in the face that, you know, this new organization that kind of is taking a chance on, not really taking a chance because they didn't really give up much anything, but they were a trade partner, right? So they're taking a chance in, in some way, shape, or form. And they can't even get you a duffel bag? Like, come on. This is a pro pro organization. You would think that they have like 100 duffel bags just in storage. Yeah, so when like, you know, players come in, players go out, uh, I guess the players leaving could keep the duffel bag if they want. Or I don't know if there's a return policy on the duffel bag. But you would think they would have some duffel bags, some extra duffel bags for new players coming in, like, you know, spring training, right? You have, like, 70 guys or, or whatever it may be, the spring training facility. I would like to think that all 70 of them have a Pittsburgh Pirates or any MLB team duffel bag for whatever team they may be playing with. Um, Him going two for four, that's awesome. I'm really ruined for Michael Chavis. Like I mentioned, I wish that he wasn't traded. I wish he was on the opening day roster. I really feel like the Red Sox did him dirty. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, the Red Sox have some, you know, need some help at second base. And not that he would have fulfilled that need, but he definitely could have helped. And I know he wasn't having the greatest of season during the chances he was getting. But I don't know. I mean, he's still like 25 or 26, maybe he's still fairly young. He's at one time one of the best prospects in the Red Sox system. So it just feels like they're giving up a little bit on him too early. But obviously, when you have a player go up and down in your system, you run out of player options. I believe you only get 10. So it sucks. And he's going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for a few more years, obviously based off his contractual situation. And I think the Pirates, obviously, they're not that good, but they're young. They have some good talent there. And Michael Chavis, Cabrian Hayes, um, Brian Reynolds is still there, and they also have a young first baseman, I believe. I could be wrong. I know they have Colin Moran, but he's not young. Jacob Stallings behind the plate. I feel like I'm missing somebody. I feel like I'm missing like an integral piece to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, core, per se. But I hope he does great. You know, Hopefully he can turn into the star player that we all thought he was going to be here in Boston. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he gets a Pittsburgh Pirates duffel bag, for goodness sake. So let's jump over to the Sony Michelle trade because that I feel like will be the next quickest topic to talk about. And obviously the news that came out uh, yesterday, I'm sorry, no, on Wednesday this came out, and that was the Patriots trading running back Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams. In return, the Patriots requ- uh, acquired a sixth-round pick in this coming year's draft, so the 2022 NFL drafts, and a fourth-round pick in the 2023 NFL draft as well. So in all honesty, I didn't really expect this move to come as quick as it did. Obviously, on Monday's episode of Merv's Boston Sports Talk, I mentioned that the running back battle is basically going to be between Sony Michelle, Ramondre Stevenson, and J.J. Taylor. Damian Harris, James White kind of securing the first two spots. Brandon Bolden technically is a running back, but he doesn't count because he's more of a special teams figure. And basically, Stevenson, Taylor, and Michelle were, you know, the three of them were fighting for two spots. I was a firm believer that Michelle was the odd man out just because Ramonde Stevenson, fourth-round pick this year, looking fantastic in preseason. And then J.J. Taylor has some special teams flexibility as well as being a smaller running back where he can kind of fill that Deion Lewis kind of role that we saw a few years ago from him as well. So it just left Sony Michelle out of the picture, really. A former first-round pick has really no no place on this roster anymore and I guess a team like the Rams I don't, like obviously I don't know who made the call first I don't know if the Rams called the Patriots or the Patriots called the Rams I don't know 
But if you look at this, uh, the Los Angeles Rams in their situation, they just lost their star running back who they drafted last year, Cam Akers. He tore his right Achilles tendon right before camp, so he's done for the season. And in Akers' absence, they do have Daryl Henderson, who's been vaulted to the starter, starting position after, uh, uh, you know, being like third, fourth in the depth chart, like, you know, two years ago, whatever, and then being, uh, you know, kind of a, a starter in Akers' absence. And now he's taking a big step this year because he's going to be the full-time starter. And you kind of see that, you know, reflected in fantasy, to be honest. I mean, Daryl Henderson's getting drafted early in drafts, uh, like second, third round. And let me see if did I I didn't draft him did I? No, I didn't draft him. Right? No, I didn't draft him. Okay, I just want to check. Cause I had my I had one fantasy draft a couple days ago, so I just wanted to see if I drafted him or not. Cause I thought I did, but I did not. Uh, I'm still getting used to my new fantasy team. It's 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 a little bit of a struggle, but just it's just how it is, right? Every year you go through that. But anyways, going back to the Rams. So the Rams were going into the season. They had Acres. They had Henderson. A good little one-two punch. Obviously, they have, uh, you know, other players as well. They, you know, they got a rookie seventh rounder, Jake Funk, and then an undrafted free agent from last year, Xavier Jones. So those four were going to be the running backs this year. Obviously, with a huge hit to Cam Akers, that vaults everybody up one spot. So it leaves a big hole in your depth chart. And I guess Sony Michelle, it's not working out here in New England. It might work out in Los Angeles and in that offense, really, because that offense is going to be explosive. Watch, we're, we've traded Sony Michelle who performed the way that he did, he's going to go to Los Angeles and he's going to look like Adrian Peterson or like Christian McCaffrey. He's just going to absolutely explode into this superstar player. I I, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope so because I kind of like Sony Michelle. I think he has a lot of potential still. I liked uh, when the page, I didn't like the pages drafting him. I didn't like them using a first rounder on a running back, but his rookie season, he played fairly well. Got the only touchdown in Super Bowl 53 against the Rams, ironically enough. But, I don't know. He kind of grew off me when, you know, he got hit with injuries and he wasn't really playing well. So, hopefully this fresh start will do good for Sony Michelle. But, I mean, the Patriots only are acquiring a 6th and a 4th rounder in return. Feels kind of low, but, I mean, I don't know. What, what kind of market was there for him, honestly? I mean, was this a good deal? Was this like a steal? In all honesty, or was this just like a, all right, fuck it, this is our best offer, let's just go. I don't know, but when you look at you getting a sixth and a fourth rounder in return for a first round, former first rounder, which I'm still upset, by the way. I've said this before. I think I said this on Monday's episode, actually. I'm so upset that the Patriots drafted a running back in the first round of that draft, in the 2017 draft. I don't think they should have, but they did. Then the Browns and like the you know early picks of the second round draft Nick Chubb, like okay Sony Michelle I mean Nick Chubb was the guy then he hurts his knee Sony Michelle kind of steps up he becomes the guy then it's like a two running back tandem in Georgia, and there's like one A one B honestly they were just so freaking good and you couldn't really go wrong with either of them. Well, when it comes to the Patriots drafting one of them, you could certainly go wrong with one of them, and the Patriots did go wrong with one of them. Because you just look back at it. If you drafted Nick Chubb, if you're going to draft a running back, and if you drafted Nick Chubb, this offense would have been friggin' insane, yo. Like, oh my god. It, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, oh my god, it pisses me off. Oh, it pisses me off. And actually, even more ironically enough, the Sony Michelle pick, 
it was like round one, pick 23 or whatever, was formerly the Rams' first-round pick because the Rams traded a first-rounder for Brandon Cooks uh, earlier that offseason. Oh, my God. It's coming full circle. I just realized that. It's basically coming full circle for the Rams. Rams trade their first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. Okay, Brandon Cooks does his thing. He does great, and then they trade him to Houston. I think they got like a second-rounder in return, so it's not a bad return. Then you take – then the Patriots have Sonny Michelle. They have him for three years. Then they trade him to Los Angeles, the Rams, for six and a fourth. And basically the Rams just got their first-round pick back. But they had to give up a couple extra picks. I don't know. I just think it's 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 a little mind fucking, a little mind boggling, but I also think it's kind of funny at the same time that they're spending a six and a fourth rounder plus three wasted years just to reacquire their first round pick back. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of funny. So with Sony Michelle out of the picture now, running back group is kind of solidified. Is there any other big dominoes to drop? I've been mentioning Nikhil Harry. Obviously, he wants to get out. I feel like the Patriots won't trade him. But, I mean, if the offer is good enough, I can't see why they wouldn't. I just don't want to – I don't want to see Nikhil Harry get traded for the same package, like a six and a fourth or, like, you know, two fives. Like, I I don't want to see the same package in return. Like, if you're going to trade him, trade him for, like, a third round or something. Get something decent in return. Because, like, I don't want you to – I don't want the Patriots to waste another first-round pick. You know, Sony Michelle doesn't really pan out. Bust. Nikhil Harry kind of looking like a bust so far, and then you trade him, and it doesn't work out. It's basically two first-round picks in back-to-back years that don't pan out. And I just don't want to see that happen at all. I do – wait, was it back-to-back years? Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure it was. Patriots draft picks. Actually, it might not be. I think – Sony Michelle was drafted in 2017 because they drafted Isaiah Wynn. That was the year after they lost to the – the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, Nikhil Harry. Yeah, okay, no, it wasn't the same draft. Oh, but I was just a year off, though. Um, Sonny Michelle and Isaiah Wynn was 2018, and then Nikhil Harry was 2019 because in 2017 they didn't have a second, a first or a second-round pick. That draft class looks ass-cheeks. tell you that. The only player that really come out of it was Dietrich Wise in the fourth round. Yikes. Bill Belichick, man, it is, he's had some – wretched wretched uh draft picks let me tell you i mean i could probably have a whole episode based off of bill belichick's poor drafting and his poor gming but you know what i don't want to bear you any pain and suffering but you know it might have to be done one day or another so uh, okay so yeah okay because the season the the Eagles Super Bowl loss that season was 2017, but the game was played in 2018. The Patriots won the 2018 season Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl itself was played in 2019. It's, it's, it's so odd. I don't know. I, I hate how kind of odd it, it can get sometimes. But, yes, yeah, Sony Michelle gone, traded to the Los Angeles Rams. I want to know if there's any if there's going to be any other dominoes to be had in terms of the Patriots trading players in, players out, whatever it may be. Bill Belichick loves, loves, loves making – like roster moves towards the, um, you know, the final roster deadline. You know, I got a player who I'm going to cut, but you have a player that I kind of want, and you kind of – it just they kind of make a deal out and like that. I mean, at the end of the 
What year was it? What year did we trade for Philip Dorsett? Uh, it was after Jacoby Brissett played 2016. So it was 2017 we brought Philip Dorsett in? I want to say it was 2017. I'm probably going to get my years mixed up. But because... That's right, because Tom Brady missed four games of 2016. Garoppolo and Brissett played. And then I think that offseason, or the end of preseason that year in 2017, the Patriots traded Jacoby Brissett for uh, Philip Dorsett. So it's like, hey, we don't really need this guy, but it looks like you do. You don't need that guy, but it looks like we do. Let's make a trade out. So that's kind of what Bill Belichick loves to do. Loves, loves, loves to make those little little small trades towards the end of preseason. So best of luck to Sony Michelle in Los Angeles. Hopefully he tears it up and proves us all wrong because a lot of people wanted Sony Michelle out. Some people didn't. But you know what? It is what it is at the end of the day. Hopefully the sixth and fourth round picks in return that the Patriots got amount to something useful. Continuing with Patriots chatter, obviously, the second joint practice with the New York Giants wrapped up yesterday. Obviously, the Giants were in for two days on Wednesday and Thursday. The game will be played. I think I mentioned on Monday's episode that the game was going to be played in Foxborough, but that's not true. I fumbled the bag. It's going to be played in New York. A little odd to practice here and then to play there, but I'm assuming the Jets are welcoming in a team for you know, joint practices this week as well. So, you know, two teams in the same stadium kind of have to, you know, boot one out. But you know what? But then, you know, that, that wouldn't make sense, though, because then the Jets would be playing their preseason game at MetLife in the in the Giants' eye. Where, where are the Jets right now? The Jets have their final preseason game. Oh, they played the Eagles today, and then it'll take them two days to switch it up for a Giants game. Okay, 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 okay. So, anyways. Winners and losers. Winners and losers of Patriots training camp. Uh, basically, just kind of wrapping up joint practices. I'm really loving what I'm seeing from Josh uh, Josh Uche, the linebacker. Had a lot of potential coming out of Michigan last year. And I really feel like he's going to take a big step up this year. Second year. Uh, he, play, he shined a lot last year, I think. I mean, there's not really much to talk about in terms of the defense and in terms of what they did last year. But definitely some names, too to pick away from and uh josh uche is definitely one of them i feel like he can be a really good edge rusher i don't know if he has the the field general ability kind of like dante hightower does and the versatility that hightower does to be able to you know play the middle of the field maybe go out and guard a running back or a safety i kind of like him more on the line but you know what i wouldn't mind seeing him more you know guarding those running backs and those uh tight ends as well I see here that he uh, forced an incompletion while covering Saquon Barkley. So, you know what? I'll kind of take that, and uh, I'll run with it. So, awesome to see Josh Uche performing well. Hopefully, he takes a big step up this year. I know the Patriots' defense has been really reworked, but a lot of the fundamental pillars that we had on the team last year transitioning to this year, and Josh Uche is definitely one of them. Uh, Winners, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. First, let me start with Jacoby Myers because I honestly feel like he's going to have a big season this year. Undrafted free agent last year. It was like our best. It was, I believe he was statistically our best receiver last year, all things considered. I would love to see him really shine. He's a good story being undrafted. He's not like coming from another team, just, you know, signing the most expensive contract that was offered to him. I know with an undrafted free agent, there's probably some deficiencies there, but I really liked what I saw. No, he wasn't undrafted free agent last year. He was undrafted free agent two years ago because 2019, yeah, because that was because Brady didn't really want to throw it to him. (laughs) 
But yeah, so he's in his third year. He's been the most consistent receiver um, thus far in camp. And honestly, I like to see that. You know, he's not, you know, one of your new guys, Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar or even the tight ends that you would think be more consistent or more surprising. I know I'll talk about Kendrick Bourne in a second. But kind of seeing Jacoby Myers really, you know, take that step up from year one, year two, and now year three. Hopefully you got something there with him. And I'm really interested to see what he can bring to the table this year because I'm not too impressed with Nelson Aguilar. Um, not just because of preseason, but just because, of, you know, beforehand I wasn't too impressed with him. Kendrick Bourne, uh, I mean, he's cool and all, but I don't know. But let me talk about Kendrick Bourne real quick. So Kendrick Bourne was also very productive on Thursday. He hauled in four of his targets. He hauled in all four of his targets. And he caught uh, the big, biggest play was a third down catch from Cam Newton and a fourth down conversion from Mac Jones. And he also registered a touchdown. Interesting. The Patriots receiving core is going to be incredibly interesting because, like I said, you have Bourne, Aglor, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry. No studs, right? But you got a bunch of guys that uh, have a lot to prove or live up to. Uh, Jacoby Myers trying to prove to make his name in the NFL being undrafted two, uh, three years ago. Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, they're trying to prove that they're worth the bag that they got in free agency. I do believe they both overpaid. But I'm not the one that's writing the checks. And obviously, Nikhil Harry, he's trying to prove that he was worth the first-round pick, that he belongs here in New England, that he can be the guy that he's supposed to be. It's, it's just it's, it's a mixed bag, right? It, it's really interesting. I have little faith in this wide receiver core to be honest i'm intrigued on how it's going to pan out and how they're going to play this year but in terms of excitement it's very very low it's not as low as yet last year but it's very very low and I, I was thinking to myself you know what if julian edelman was on this team this year would it look any different would you feel any better honestly i don't think so because there's still those concerns. Uh, oh, there still would have been those concerns with uh, Julian Edelman's knee and his injury problems. He's older. I mean, he's a year older. So it's like, how how good do you feel with that? I mean, yeah, it would be nice to have that great veteran presence in, in your locker room, uh, a safety net for whoever the quarterback is going to be. And just someone that the that can really teach the younger guys or really any wide receiver in that room. So from a fundamental, from a locker room standpoint, yeah, it'd be nice and I feel comfortable with having Julian Edelman on the team. But from a production standpoint and from a weapon standpoint, I, I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable because I know he's lost a couple steps. He's not the same guy that he once was. And I hate to say that because I definitely didn't want to see him, you know, go out the way that he did. I, I would have liked to see him get one more full season, right? Or at least play in week 17 last year. So, I mean, I don't think Julian Edelman would have done much for this team this year except take up a roster spot, really. Like I said, mentally, fundamentally, uh, for the locker room experience-wise, yeah, it would have been fantastic to have him. But from a realistic standpoint... From a team perspective, production, weaponized standpoint, offensive output standpoint, I don't know what much you'd get from him, in all honesty. Oh, also from a health standpoint as well. So, 
wide receiver group. Speaking of the wide receiver group, I know I kind of mentioned Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, but Nelson Aguilar, someone that I've been really low on. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. He only finished with one reception on four targets in Thursday's practice um, between both Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Excuse me. He got three passes broken up by the Giants defenders. I mean, I know Nelson Aguilar was kind of brought in to be kind of one of the bigger guys on the outside, but you got to be able to bring some of these balls in. You got to be able to grab them and, and bring them in. I mean, I know the the defense is just watching some some clips and in, in reading online, just you know tweets and articles. I, I guess the defender made a good play, but like, you want your wide receiver to make a better play than the defender. And Nelson Aguilar being your big guy, free agent wide receiver that you brought in, you don't want to see him going one for four and having passes broken up and the defense making a big play. You want your receiver to be making that big play. So that just goes along why I'm not a big fan of Nelson Aguilar or the receiving group this year. Now, could Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry pop off this year? Sure. Could Gunnar Oshleski be something in the slot this year? Like a Troy Brown, a Wes Welker, a Julian Edelman? Sure, maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's definitely possible. I mean, I know there's a little bit of hints and rumors that he could be kind of filling that role. I don't know. I don't know. So I I know I kind of forgot to mention it. I had the tab open here, but I did kind of forget to mention it. And that is the Patriots also making another trade as well. So in addition to trading Sony Michelle away to the Rams, they acquired cornerback Sean Wade from the Baltimore Ravens for draft picks. So the Ravens, uh, Baltimore Ravens traded rookie cornerback Sean Wade to the New England Patriots for a couple draft picks on Thursday. So Billy B, baby, making moves, swinging and dealing. The Ravens received a seventh-round pick in 2022 and a fifth-rounder in 2023, a source told ESPN. The seventh-round pick is one of the Patriots acquired from Houston for tight end Ryan Izzo. So an additional seventh-round pick that they're sending out the way, not too bad. Uh, you basically just kind of giving up a fifth round pick uh, next year as well. So, do I like what they gave up? I mean, it's not it's not the worst. It's not. I don't think you overpaid. Uh, Wade, a fifth round pick out of Ohio State, was not going to make the Ravens' 53 man roster next week after being passed on the depth chart by Chris Westry. The Ravens decided to get some picks for Wade because they figured he wouldn't clear waivers and make it to their practice squad. So. I, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's a great move by the Ravens, honestly, and a great move by the Patriots because Patriots obviously watching the film, and their cornerback room is top-heavy, right? You got J.C. Jackson, and you have Stephon Gilmore. Ravens, I know they have Marlon Humphrey. I just don't know who else they have on that roster, in all honesty. Uh, do they have Marcus Peters? No, wait. Oh, they do. They still have Marcus Peters, right? Okay, yeah, they still have Marcus Pierce. So, yeah, they're still kind of top-heavy. I mean, depth-wise, I don't know how thick or thin they are. But if a fifth-round pick from this past draft isn't going to make your roster, it's not uncommon for them to be on the practice squad this year. But it must be that the Ravens' uh, cornerback room is so good and so deep that they had to put him on the practice squad because, I mean, I don't know how many corners they're going to keep, four or five, whatever it may be, but he's going to be the odd man out. So instead of trying to pass him through uh, waivers to get him on the practice squad where a team could just, you know, scoop him up and you're basically losing him for nothing, 
might as well you know make a trade with a team that actually needs a cornerback or some cornerback depth, and that's the New England Patriots. So essentially, the Ravens are just getting in return what they spent to get uh, Sean Wade, and he's a fifth rounder. Obviously, the fifth round pick is going to be in 2023. The Ravens are also receiving additional uh, seventh round pick in this year's draft. Like I said, that is the seventh round pick that the Patriots received from the Houston Texans for Ryan Izzo. I like this move. It gives you depth. It gives you uh, a young guy, right? It gives you a new, basically a new uh, member to your draft class, essentially your rookie class per se. He's obviously going to make the roster. I mean, there's no way if the Ravens weren't, didn't believe that he would pass waivers. There's no shot that the Patriots think the same thing and like look at him for this coming week and be like, I just put him on the practice squad. That would be the dumbest fucking move ever. But you know what? I, I would like to have full faith in Bill Belichick that this was the right move. He is going to be an integral piece, hopefully, to this defense. Maybe not now, early in the season, maybe down the road. I've mentioned a million times that that J.C. Jackson, his contract is up at the end of the season. I've mentioned a million times that Stephon Gilmore's contract is up at the end of the season. You only, I mean, you have Jalen Mills. I, I don't know Jonathan Jones's contract situation, but he's a slot corner, so he's a little bit different. And you have Joan Williams. That will be rostered for next year. And there's rumors that Joan Williams might get uh, cut this year. I don't think they should because they need cornerback depth. They need experienced guys for the locker room potentially come next year. And having a second-round pick in 2019 wasted, I just don't feel like it's the right move to do. I mean, obviously down the road, if you got to cut them or trade them, fine, I get it. But like, I think leaving training camp, It'd be good to have the depth. Now, could Sean Wade replace Joan Williams? Maybe. Maybe Sean Wade is just simply better than Joan Williams. But, I mean, giving up on a second-round pick this early, two years in, is definitely not uncommon for Bill Belichick because he gave up on... Oh, he gave up on Cyrus Jones, Cyrus Jones, the safety, corner safety from Alabama. Alabama, excuse me. Um... Real early in his tenure. He was a second-round pick. They also gave up early on... Well, I can't think of his name. Duke Dawson recently. He got traded to the Broncos. Gave up on um, Cyrus Jones, like I mentioned. Jordan Richards the year before. Bill Belichick has a bad, bad rep of drafting defensive backs in the second round. Like It's like really friggin' bad. I know I wasn't going to talk about it, but just looking at it, it is disgusting how bad it is holy smokes uh real quick cyrus jones oh, i'm sorry no 2015 jordan richards safety pick 64 that's uh second round um cyrus jones pick 60 second round no nah, there was no second pick in 2017 2018 duke dawson 56 that's second round joe Juan williams 45 second round kyle duggar second round pick 37 Seems like it's going. It's a good pick. So hopefully he finally hit the nail in the coffin there. Um, with finally getting a, a fantastic pick. But do I have confidence in that? Ugh. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah. So Sean Wade to the New England Patriots from the Baltimore Ravens. I like the move. I like the trade. I feel like it fills uh, a depth role and maybe down the season. Um, Sean Wade could be actually a viable option as a third cornerback. 
But I think he's going to get a lot of time to start the season, honestly, because Stephon Gilmore is still on the physically unable to perform list due to his quad. Uh, he also has expressed desire to have his contract addressed. So, I mean, that has really no bearing on being physically unable to perform. I just, I don't know. Cornerback is going to be really interesting. That's why I really believe that you need John, Joan Williams this year. J.C. Jackson, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones in the slot, Joan Williams, and Sean Wade is a solid, really good, better than a lot of NFL teams' cornerback rooms, right? I'm not talking defensive backs with safeties. I'm just talking cornerback, the guards, wide receivers. That's why I think Joan Williams needs to be on this team. You know, depth, experience, don't give up on a young kid just yet. Let's see what he can do. And also, Stephon Gilmore is injured. So that is going to be it for the second trade that the Patriots made. And I do want to talk about uh, something really funny that I found that uh, the, Joe Judge, the former special teams coach for the Patriots, current coach, or yeah, current head coach for the New York Giants. Uh, so there's this thing in New England, for those that may not know, or maybe you do know, and it's something called Mount Belichick, right? <laughs> at the practice field at Gillette Stadium, there's two hills the south end of the practice field. One of them is 20 yards long, and it's steep. And there's a second one that's 60 yards long, and it's a gradual incline. And it's been a Belichick staple to help players with conditioning at times with expel excess energy. Now, I didn't know about this, quite frankly, until I found this article. I knew Belichick, Belichick was big on conditioning and practicing and such, not wasting a, a single minute or second or whatever. I didn't know. I had no idea about these hills. I've seen the hills, you know, being at Gillette Stadium, Patriots Place, but it just never occurred to me that they were used for practice for some odd reason. So, um, like I said, Joe Judge spent several years here in New England, and he has taken advantage of Mount Belichick and these hills, and he had his own players run up and down these hills during the two teams' joint practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I Listen, I hate the Giants just as much as any Patriots fan, obviously, for what has happened in the two Super Bowls. But I think this is absolutely funny and a genius move by Joe Judge. Joe Judge comes off as a hard-o coach. I mean, you saw him last year in the mud and diving on a ball to show the team what it looks like to recover a fumble. And now, I mean, his press conferences are something else. And to have Joe Judge be like, you know, I remember these fucking hills. I remember having, you know, players run up and down them. Hey, yo, Saquon. Yeah, yeah, you see the twenty yarder? Hey, yeah, it's a small one, but it's steep. Yeah, go, go run up that. Hey, Danny Dimes. Yeah, you good? You look a little jittery. Go run the sixty one. Yeah, yeah, just go down and back. Like I, I think that's absolutely hilarious, and it'll honestly better the team down the road. I mean, conditioning never goes bad for a team. So props to Joe Judge for taking advantage of being in New England this past week and helping his team get better. I, I, that's really all I want to talk about. I, I think that I think that was just kind of funny. And then lastly, and lastly, the Buffalo Bills. They could be on the move. I hate to say it. I think Bills Mafia is friggin' awesome. I would love to go to a Patriots-Bills game in Buffalo, tailgate, and experience the true power of Bills Mafia. Wearing like a Patriots jersey and just get shit on. I would love it. But that may be coming to an end and that dream never may be fulfilled. The Bills currently do not own their own stadium. 
they currently lease. They have a lease with Highmark Stadium, and that lease is set to expire in 2023. The Buffalo Bills want a new stadium. They want a new stadium. And I'm going to read an article by Sports Pro Media. This was written on August 3rd, 2021, so I'm a little late to this. I actually didn't hear about this uh, headline until I think early this week, maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'm a little late to it. Um, I don't know how much has developed. This was one of the most recent articles about it. I I bet there's really not going to be a lot of movement on it until maybe like later in the season or whatever. But report Buffalo Bills could consider relocating if stadium plans fall through. NFL franchise plotting taxpayer refunded $1.5 billion development at Orchard Park. Uh, billion dollar development at Orchard Park. Uh, some highlights from the article. There's just bulleted points literally in the article, but I will read it. Uh, Bill's lease at Highmark Stadium set to expire in 2023. ESPN reports that Austin, Texas could be a potential destination for the Bills. Franchise has been based in Buffalo, New York for over 60 years. So this article is written by Rory Jones, and it reads, um, With the franchise's current lease at Highmark Stadium set to expire in 2023, the local newspaper reports that the team has set out proposals for a new $1.5 billion development at Orchard Park, which would be entirely funded by taxpayers' money. The Buffalo News added that the proposal also includes renovations to Key Bank Center, the home of the Buffalo Sabres National Hockey League team. Buffalo has been the home of the Bills since the franchise inception in 1960, and the Bills teams, in the team's names, quote, Bills Mafia fan base has been notorious for his Ardent support and pregame rituals. Oh, look at that. I already mentioned that. The Buffalo News Reports notes. Wow, that, that was hold on. The Buffalo News Report notes that while the Bills have not directly threatened to leave New York, they have made it clear to the government negotiators that there are numerous cities across the U.S. which would pay handsomely to welcome an NFL franchise. New Orleans Saints secure... $138 million Superdome naming rights deal, citing an unnamed ownership source. ESPN's Seth Wickersham has also revealed that Austin, Texas could be a possible destination for the Bills if the team were to... Re what, what does that have anything to do with it? What does the Saints securing the team name have anything to do with it? Whatever. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's some tie to it. I just I feel like it's really odd. Um, Freeman Klopot, a spokesman for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's budget office, told Buffalo News, quote, Governor Cuomo is committed to the bill staying in Buffalo, as demonstrated by the state's contribution to the recent $130 million investment into the current stadium. Okay, not a pretty hefty price. Quote, the administration is fully engaged with the, with the bills and other stakeholders as we conduct due diligence to understand the economics around the team's proposal ahead of the current leasing expiring in 2023. End quote. Since 1973, the Bills have played at Highmark Stadium, which was previously known as New Era Field from 2016 to 2020, and Ralph Wilson Stadium between 98 and 2015. That's the, that was the name I was thinking of, Ralph Wilson Stadium. I believe he was a previous owner. Could be wrong, but I want to say it probably is. I feel like you wouldn't name a stadium after uh, Mark Wahlberg Stadium in you know Foxborough, Massachusetts. Like you'd, you'd be like Robert Kraft Stadium before anything, right? And then it went to New Era, and then it's Highmark Stadium. Okay, yeah. That sounds right. So, yeah, this is some interesting news. I mean, the Bills, man. I mean, they're a staple. The Buffalo Bills, are, I feel like they're an NFL staple. But the article even mentions that. Um, where is it? 
that numerous cities across the U.S. which would pay handsomely to welcome an NFL team. Duh, there's only 32 NFL teams. There's going to be no expansion anytime soon. I don't think so, nor do I want there to be. And that's a shocker, right? I love myself some expansion and relocation. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I think the NBA and the MLB should do it. The NHL just did it. Twice. Now they're up to 32. MLB and the NBA will be right behind them in a matter of a few years. Guarantee it. But I don't think the NFL should because they're already at 32. And then if you go to 34, it just gets really wonky. And then you got to do like 17 teams per conference. And then the divisions get all messed up. It's just a, a giant mess. So there's only 32 cities. Oh, I mean, I guess Los Angeles has two of them. New York has two of them. So there's not 32 cities. There's only 32 teams. And there's only so many cities that are fortunate enough to host an NFL stadium. Or an NFL team with the stadium. All the good stuff. The NFL is a cash cow. It literally is. Look at look at um, Gillette Stadium, for example, and what Robert Kraft has done. He took a stadium. He built well, he built you know Gillette Stadium, but in addition, he built a shopping plaza, Patriots Place, where there's bars, restaurants, movie theater, bowling alley. Um, I think there's even an arcade there. There's not a Dave and Buster's, but I'm pretty sure there's like a small arcade there. Uh, just a bunch of retail shops there. It's a cash cow. You have people, I mean, that's basically like a mall for some people, and they all just come from the area and go there. Okay, well, you're there for, for the Patriots game, go to Bass Pro real quick. Or, you know, someone just driving in from who needs something, you know, fishing rod from Bass Pro. Like, oh, shit, I didn't know there was a, a you know, a, a five guys here. Let me go grab a quick burger. It's just a cash cow. Look at the Rams and the Chargers with SoFi Stadium that just opened last year. It is not only a football field or a football stadium. It is a hotel, a mall, a concert venue, uh, obviously a massive parking lot for the stadium. And they also have one. I, I know they wanted to add an amusement park early in his development, but I just don't think it fit the budget. And I think they scrapped that idea. But just imagine having an amusement park concert venue mall hotel oh and on top of that you have two football teams the money literally grows on trees so that's why all these cities that don't have a team an nfl team want one portland tech uh, austin texas uh, i've heard um oklahoma city I wouldn't be surprised if Virginia wants its own team, right? I mean, I know they got the Washington football team, but that's in D.C. I'm sure Virginia would want its own team. Could the NFL expand to Canada one day? Maybe. It's just, I mean, there's even reports Chicago getting a second team. They already have the Bears. Duh, Bears. It's just the money grows on trees for having an NFL team. And Austin, Texas is an interesting one. Because there's already two teams in Texas, the Cowboys and the Houston Texans. Now, could there be... I've actually heard a small rumor that Dallas wants a second team. I think that would be absolutely stupid. Just like Chicago getting a second team, I think it would be stupid. Because you have a historic franchise in the Cowboys. You bring in another team, you're going to split the fan base. Or new fans to football are going to go to this new Dallas team and not your Cowboys, right? Same thing with the Bears. You have a strong foundation, new football fans, whatever, they're going to gravitate to the new team. I think it's stupid. If, you know, way back in the day before, you know, when like the, you know, Rams and the, I'm sorry, not the Rams, um, the Giants and the Jets 
way back in the day. They were kind of incepted into New York together. Um, maybe give or take a few years. I don't really know, to be honest, nor do I really care. But back then, it kind of worked because it's a little bit easier because there's not like social media. There's not YouTube, ESPN, all that good stuff wasn't around back then. So you kind of had to pick and choose your teams a little bit more carefully. Where nowadays, you can just watch. Like, oh, I like that team now. Oh, I like that team now. Anyways, Austin, Texas. Is that the best bet for the potential relocation of the um, the Buffalo Bills? Well, let me tell you this. I looked up the top. I wanted to do top 50, but I think I got top. Jesus, how many cities are on here? I got the top 210 cities in the United States of America. I only wanted 50, but I got or 100, but I got 210. Buffalo, New York ranks 52nd on this list. Oh, I'm sorry, 53. They were in 52nd in 2020, but in 2021, they are 53. So they went down a spot. The following cities that do not have a team are in front of them. Um, I'm trying to find it. Tampa Bay, uh, Orlando. I'm, I'm trying to scroll through it, so just give me a second. Sacramento, Portland, uh, Charlotte. Um, I'm pretty – Charlotte, the, the Panthers play in Charlotte, right? Or do they play in uh, – or do they play in um, Raleigh? Where the hell do they play? Where do you play? Okay, so they do play in Charlotte. Okay, so never mind. Cross off Charlotte. Um, let's see. San Diego doesn't have a team anymore. Nashville. Oh no, they have the, the Titans, the, the Salt Lake city, San Antonio, Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut. It says Hartford, New Haven, which I was actually really confused about it because they're two different cities, but it's kind of like a block. It's like a region. Almost a lot of these bigger cities, like, you know, uh, New York. I mean, you don't have to be like New York and Albany, right? I mean, it's its own market. Um, so Hartford, and New, New, um, Hartford and New Haven are 32nd Columbus, Ohio's 33. Uh, let's see what else. Austin, Texas is 38th this year. West Palm Beach is 39th. Vegas just got a team. Um, Oklahoma City is 44. Birmingham is 45th. Norfolk, Virginia is 46th. Albuquerque, Alabama is 48th. Louisville is 49th. Memphis is 51. Providence, New Bedford. That's a wide-ass region because New Bedford's like 45 minutes away from Providence. But Providence, the Providence area, is 52nd. Meanwhile, Buffalo is 53. I shit you not, this is 1,000% true. Providence, New Bedford, is one spot higher than Buffalo, New York. Last year, Providence was 56th. They jumped four spots this year to 52nd, where the Bills dropped one spot to 53. So, Bills Mafia... Buffalo, New York is the 53rd largest market in the United States. I listed a bunch of cities that are higher than them. From a financial standpoint, for the Buffalo Bills to move, it would be a smart decision from a financial standpoint. Now you'd have to uproot your team, go to a new city, basically start from the ground zero, new fans, new... I don't know if they would still be the Bills, like the Austin Bills or, or whatever it may be, or the Providence Bills... But they would have to start from the ground up. But they would be in a they would be in a better situation moving forward. And honestly, as much as it would suck for Bills Mafia in Buffalo, 
they'd probably still be Bills fans. Like, I don't really think they would jump to Jets or Giants fans. Maybe, like, newer football fans would maybe gravitate to the Giants and Bills. Um, but I'm trying to think Buffalo, New York. They might gravitate to Pittsburgh Steelers just because it's probably a little closer, I think, dri- driving distance-wise. But where could we actually see the Buffalo Bills move? All right, so real, I, wa- I just want to do, like, a funny thing about Providence afterwards, but I just want to be serious for a second. Oh, and just for the fact, Boston, Manchester, wide-ass region, right, is 10th. They went down one spot from 9th last year, but they're 10th this year. I'll take it. Tampa Bay, no. Uh, Orlando, no. There's already three teams there. Sacramento, I don't think so because they might lose the Kings. Portland, I'm a big fan of Portland. I've been saying that Portland needs to get another team, whether it's a baseball team or a basketball team. They already have a basketball team. I'm sorry, a football team or a hockey team. I know hockey's at 32 now. But back when Seattle was before Seattle was Seattle, I think a Portland team would have been nice. But I am gravitating and I'm pushing for Portland to get a, a baseball team. I really think it would be good there. St. Louis, they're potentially suing the Los Angeles Rams for just getting uh, the city of St. Louis, possibly suing the city of, oh no, the organization for just getting up and leaving. San Diego, I don't see a team going back there. Salt Lake City, they only have the Jazz, so maybe, but I don't really know if there's a good market there. There'd be a good little rivalry for the uh, Broncos. Hartford, New Haven, I mean, I don't see it happening. I just don't think the market's there. I mean, Connecticut, it's either Jets and Giants or Patriots. Should be all Giants being in the middle of New England, but there's still some New York sports fans in Hartford, makes in Connecticut. I hate it so much. But I just don't see that that being a possibility. Austin could legit be a possibility, but just you already have three teams in Houston, uh, two teams in Texas rather. Wow, the Houston Texans, Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys got a lot of optimism this year. Texans are going to be terrible. Could it be like Austin, uh, San Antonio, even San Antonio's thirty first market in the country, so maybe um, Oklahoma City would be pretty cool. The Thunder, a very popular team. And I think, you know, along with the baseball team, I think that they could ha- host a football team. I think they'd be pretty good at it as well. Albuquerque, I just don't think an NFL team in Alabama would just do good. I mean, you got the Alabama Crimson Tide, which is top-notch or one of the most top-notch colleges in all of football or all, yeah, all of college football. And then Louisville, I don't think so. I mean, Louisville Cardinals, kind of the same argument. They're not a prevalent um football team in college football but still a, a fairly good team most years i think i could be wrong anyways then we could scroll down to providence what would a team in providence look like so first off providence did have an nfl team the providence steamrollers way back in the day the team i believe eventually folded and disbanded um i did a video on it Providence Steam. I gotta Google it. Hold on. Oh my God, this is. I can't do this. Providence. Why can't I type? Steam Rollers. I did a video on it. Old New England teams that don't exist anymore, and the Providence Steam Rollers are one of them. And they were in the league from. They were founded in 1916, but they were part of the NFL in 1925 to 1931. They were the first New England team to win the NFL championship. They folded in 1933. Why did they fold? Why did they fold? Decline, championship, lack of interest coupled with the Great Depression in 1930 caused Dooley, I believe the owner, 
or the owners. To suspend operations after the 1931 season, the three owners then gave up and turned the franchise back over to the NFL in 1933, and then they did whatever with it. So it's not possible. I mean, just the New England Patriots are way too strong. The fan base is way too, too you know, thick, right? It would never work. There, there would be honestly probably no interest because I just think way too many people are Patriots fans. It would be freaking cool. It would be a great rivalry for sure. But the Providence, the city of Providence, is way too small to host and own an NFL football team with the New England Patriots literally 25 minutes down up 95. Like, if the New England Patriots weren't here and they just didn't exist, then having a team in Providence would be a great idea. A small city, having an NFL team would bring in a lot of attraction, a lot of money. The city would be totally revamped and rejuvenated. It would work. It would absolutely work. But, like I said, with the Patriots being 25 minutes up 95, it just would not work. Um, the Patriots would destroy them in terms of interest, marketing, money-wise, um, team interest-wise. The team would have to relocate in almost probably within five years. I, I, I hate to say it because I live in Providence, and it would be really freaking cool from a fan- fantasy point of view, but it's just not possible. But Buffalo, though. But Providence is it has is a bigger market than Buffalo. It, it's crazy to think that. And I think Buffalo only works for an NFL team because there's nothing out there. The Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey. East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is probably, like what, 20 minutes from the border, 10 minutes from the border. It only works because there's nothing out there. There's no Canadian teams because they have the CFL, which I would still like to see a Canadian NFL team. I think it could work. I, I don't know. I feel like there'd be a lot of... Uh, merging and stuff and explain the elite to like 40 or whatever it'd be stupid but interesting right i mean these stupid things kind of get interesting a little bit in its own sense but the only reason why the nfl team works in buffalo is because it's the only team out there so that population of people in uh northwestern new york whatever you want to call it northern new york western new york whatever there's a lot of people out there new york is a big state a lot of people you probably even get fans from uh, Canada, in all honesty, that could care less about the CFL, but they like the Bills because it's the NFL. You probably get people from uh, Pennsylvania who may not be Steelers fans or too far from Pittsburgh or even from Philadelphia, and they kind of gravitate to the Bills. It's just, it works because it's the middle of nowhere, and they can consume the whole upstate western New York area. Say there was a team in Albany, for example. Maybe it could work because it's like five hours away, six hours away, or whatever it may be from Albany. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, the Buffalo Sabres as well. Another, another perfect example. You have the New York Islanders. You have the New York Rangers in New York. But they're in New York City. You got the same population of people in Buffalo that you do for the Bills, for the Sabres. Although the Sabres do have to battle with Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. There was even time where they had a battle with Quebec when the Nordiques were there. So it kind of works out for the Bills a little bit. I mean, I mean for the Sabres, excuse me. I don't really know what the Sabres situation is, if you know they'd be on the move or not. I, I don't really care at the moment. Until I see something, then I'll talk about it. See something, say something. Remember that, kids. If you see something, say something. I mean, that also goes for parents, right? That doesn't just go for kids. But yeah, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, where would I like them to go? Well, 
I would like them to go to Portland. <laughs> Why am I a big fan of Portland? I don't know. I think it just bridges the gap between the sports teams in Seattle to the rest of the league, right? You look at the Mariners in baseball. There's no one there. That's why I'm a huge advocate to baseball to go to Vancouver because there's no one out there. And it'd be a good little rivalry where those two can, you know, butt heads, you know, team, uh, fans would have to pick and choose which teams and such. Obviously, with um, the Seattle Kraken going to Seattle, that also helps with Vancouver. I mean, I know Vancouver has its Canadian rivals, but Vancouver and Seattle, two good, two big cities can kind of clash in terms of sports teams. I... um. Uh, when the the Seattle Supersonics were in Seattle, the Seattle Supersonics and the Vancouver Grizzlies, when they were still there, they would clash. And then when the Supersonics in Portland, they would clash because all three of those teams were were, were there together. And then the Supersonics left, and now it's just Portland and Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver's not even there actually. Vancouver is not not even there. They're in Memphis now, so it's just Portland out there for basketball. That's why I would like basketball to expand back to Seattle or maybe even Vancouver. Who knows? But I would like to see a team. Uh, not only a baseball team, but a football team. And I think the Bills would be a perfect team to go to Portland. It would give you that Seattle rivalry. Um, There needs to be another team out there. It's the middle of nowhere. Seattle's the only team, I think, until like Denver or maybe the Bay Area where you have the 49ers. Uh, The Raiders aren't even there anymore. (laughs) So you don't have even the the Raiders in Oakland. So I think over there would be a good spot. Austin, Texas, I just don't think really works. I know the article really pens – Austin as the potential favorite um, for if the Bills were to move. I just don't think it would be a good spot. Like I said, you got the Houston Texans, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys have a massive, strong base. Uh, a massive, strong fan base. Excuse me. Um, in another spot, can I think of another one? Oklahoma City. I would have to do more research about it because I know they have basketball and it's doing fantastic. And I think baseball would do fantastic there, but would football do good there? I don't know. you got the Chiefs. You have um, Cowboys, Texans still there. Um, maybe you get some old St. Louis fans, St. Louis Rams fans to gravitate to this new Oklahoma City team. Maybe speaking of St. Louis, could uh, could we see a team, a football team back in St. Louis? Maybe. So I would say those four cities, St. Louis, Austin, Portland, and um, Oklahoma City, I think would be a good collection of cities that we could potentially see the Buffalo Bills move to if they were to move. So I know I spent a lot of time talking about this, but I love expansion and relocation in sports. I have no friggin' idea why. I think it's just really cool and neat. I spent a ton of time talking about the Arizona Coyotes on Monday. I spent a ton of time talking about the Buffalo Bills and their potential relocation today. I'm sorry, guys. It's just I'm a geek and nerd for relocation and all the intricacies of potential relocation expansion i don't know why i'm sorry but at least i talked about the good stuff at the beginning of the episode right the uh, michael chavis fun little story the patriots sony michelle trade sean wade trade some winners from training camp as well but if you guys enjoyed this episode of murph's boston sports talk and if you're watching on youtube please make sure you hit the like rating down below that would be greatly appreciated and also comment down below any questions comments concerns thoughts, opinions that you have about anything we talked about in today's episode. And while you're doing that, please consider hitting that big giant red subscribe button if you haven't already done so. And also, if you're only watching on audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, wherever I may be, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's where I am. 
please reach out to me on social media at Murph's Card Town. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever your social media is, you can find me at Murph's Card Town. Would love to hear your thoughts and opinions about today's topics and what we talked about in today's episode as well. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, enjoying, and thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Enjoy the hot weather. Stay cool. Stay hydrated. Um, I know I'm not a meteorologist, but I still like doing it. What's the weather looking like for this weekend? 73 and sunny, 77 and sunny on Monday, and then a little bit of thunder showers on Monday. So get outside, enjoy the weather, and I will catch you guys for Monday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. You know that I will always, always, always see you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.